Boomtron. 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 Boomtron, but you're never gonna move on. Netflix OGs get your groove on. We talk about it all, we could be wrong. Kill the better views like a Demogorgon. Boomtron, but you're never gonna move on. Just a few guys talking about the originals. Yo, pick your favorite show, we can put it on. We know it also, nothing's atypical. And welcome to the Boomtron Podcast. This is episode 31. We are pressing play on Netflix originals today. I'm Diego. I'm joined by Amy and Mark. We got a couple shows to talk about. So how's everyone doing? What have you been watching? What's up? Uh, what haven't I been watching? I feel like that's a better question. <laughs> yeah, so we've got... Ju- July's been good to Netflix. Really has. Like, it- it's unbelievable. So in addition to the shows that we're going to talk about, um, I was so excited because the second season of Never Have I Ever came out. And I loved, loved the first season. And I was a little anxious about how they would make the second season work. They did a great job. It was a wonderful season. Again, one of my favorite parts of this show is that it's narrated by John McEnroe. And it's just the most ridiculous narration for John McEnroe to be narrating a series about a teenage girl. Um, but it, it it is. And it, it's funny and it's well thought out. And the characters, all of them, even the, you know, not the main character, they're all well-developed. Really great story. I really enjoyed it. And then the third season of Virgin River came out. Um, and so I was excited to watch that. Again, it was really good. I didn't I didn't love the character of Jack in this season, but I could see that they were building to something throughout. And by the time they got to the end, the the season finale for this season, I was like, oh. So if it doesn't get renewed, there's going to be a lot of unhappy fans because there's huge cliffhangers here at the end that we're all going to need to to have resolved in the next season. Um, So I've been watching those. I started watching Atypical because um, I I loved previous seasons of Atypical. I haven't gotten all the way through that yet, but I'm really enjoying it as the main character now goes out and he's living on his own in an apartment. Um, And it's interesting to watch how he and his family are managing that. But again, that's another show where they do such a great job of developing like everybody in the show. So that's what I've been watching. You guys? All right. Mark, I think you and I both watch How I Became a Hero. Yeah. What'd you think? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, the, the, the concept of superhero blood being a narcotic that can be ingested by mortals and give them superpowers, that's sort of a concept that's off the beaten track. So I was there for it. I thought it was uh, a pretty good crime buddy cop story. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. What'd you think? Well, I don't I don't think Mark, I don't think you were recording with us, but Amy, you remember watching Power with Jamie Foxx? Yes. Oh so, yes. I didn't even make that connection. Yes. So I I originally thought it had a feel of the boys just because it was so graphic and so, you know, it had a lot of kind of blood and gore and whatnot to it. Mm-hmm. But then as the story developed, it was almost almost identical to the idea that there's this drug or this pill that you can take and it'll give you powers now in in the movie powers with jamie fox like it was like rolling the dice with these pills like you could take it and you'd get powers or you could take it and you would die whereas here it seemed like you were able to take this like vapor right away 
and you had powers for X amount of time. They didn't really clarify how long you had powers for. Um, but they did have that one scene where they were like testing it. They were like picking guinea pigs and giving free mm-hmm. samples of the drug to see if, if, if the dosage was right. And that's the only time we ever saw the, the drug go wrong with when they were trying to, um, you know, see if it worked or not. And, you know, they it, it kind of had the same premise as power. You know, they were kidnapping people with powers to create these drugs. There was a little girl that needed to be saved by the main character. The main character had a special power that no one really knew about. It had it had a lot of the very strong connections to power. Uh, I liked power. I thought it was cool. I thought this was pretty good. I'd be interested to see a sequel for it, just like I was for power. I like superhero, you know, ordinary superhero people having powers. So it was pretty good. I liked it. The story was nice. Yeah, and it it reminds me too of the TV series Heroes, where you meet these characters, and for a little while, there's this do they or don't they element of having powers, and then what is the power and how do they accept it or or try to reject it? Uh, The hero was such a reluctant, uh, the the main character was such a reluctant hero, and then to see him at the end kind of confront the mistakes of his past and embrace the hero identity that they start calling him Titan. Like it, it does, like you said, open up the door for what could be a pretty cool sequel. Right, right. So I, I like it. I give it at least a thumbs up, thumb and yeah, a half, same. maybe. Same. And then I think we all watch or kind of watch Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. I watched I the did. first. I watched you the watched first the... two episodes, and I came okay. in as a total, complete, and total newbie on this. Didn't I? I know nothing about it. I've never seen or played the games i've never watched the movies i just complete and total newbie for me it just didn't grab my attention it 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 just it was kind of boring for me um and i i don't know if that's because as great a job as they do with the animation their eyes are always dead and (laughs) i i i just have a hard time like getting into something where there's just no expression. Like I took notes as I was watching. I was curious to know how the whole zombie thing started. They mentioned a T virus. I was interested in that, but I felt like it played. And again, this might be part of like it's shtick, right? But like, I feel like they really played into this whole idea of like bad boys with a secret past saving the world kind of thing. Like, the the woman like nobody wears leather pants to a special ops mission and then you know <laughs> I would watching... I would Amy <laughs> okay um, except for Mark um, I don't know and like I'm kind of guessing things as I'm watching and I I, I I don't know I just I wasn't guessing enough or I wasn't worried not worried but you know how like when you watch a movie and there's tension you're like ooh what's gonna happen I didn't really feel that I was you like I wasn't invested at all. But again, that's just me. It's not my thing. And I can imagine that for people who are fans of it, they probably really loved it. Um, well, so. I, I'll be that's honest. a good segue, I, was... I think, for us to jump in. Because uh, I think that the so much of these movies, and even to some extent the new video games as they come out, it's such an elaborate, Resident Evil is such an elaborate universe of characters with backstories and histories that that overlap and fold into the movies. 
that I think that's what gives a lot of value to the f- fans, the fanboys, you know, that you use the term, um, that watch these movies. That being said, and with me being one of them, I didn't like the movie either. Uh, I was very disappointed as well, to be honest. Yeah. And oh, I, okay. Like, the first Resident Evil game was probably the first game that legitimately like made me jump during the game. And I loved being in Raccoon City with mm-hmm. Leon and Claire. And like it was awesome. And even some of the later Resident Evil, because I felt at one point they got kind of too too wild and they kind of lost the whole idea. And I don't, I don't know. I was just expecting a little bit more zombies, infestation kind of thing. And the whole government conspiracy theory just kind of was like, eh. I just, I didn't like the story. I just agreed. I, I just didn't. I wasn't feeling like it was more about that than it was about the Umbrella Corporation or the. And I just, I, I, I got lost. It got lost in the sauce for me. To be honest. Agreed. And, and and it got really vague because you have your, uh, your, you know, just like the video games, there's always a big bad mutant or two. And in this case, uh, the Marine Jason, it's his end game to to mutate out and then run out in front of all the press and show the world what the government's been doing to expose this, you know, this dark underside of, of the government using biological weapons. He rants on and on about fear leads yeah. to terror and he wants people to feel terror. Do you have the seed of fear in you? Uh, I mean, it makes no sense at all. And then suddenly Leon and Claire are two main characters who are in many of the video games. So they're kind of our staples. You, you pretty much know they're not dying. Um, all of a sudden Leon and Claire who have fought zombies their whole lives and have lost loved ones are, are determined to keep Jason from exposing the government secret and, that's the big conflict at the end. I didn't get that. I mean, I don't want Jason to to eat the press corps, but at the same time, uh, why why are they protecting this secret and then not coming out at the end themselves? It was just I didn't get it. Yeah, I just I I, I think I was expecting something and it wasn't what I was expecting, so I was very not feeling it at all. Yeah, and then you take so, all that and there and have the dead behind the eyes thing that Amy mentioned, and it just doesn't. Yes. There's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, I think you, I, I I think you could say more. that. I think you could say that this whole movie was dead behind the eyes. Oh, <laughs> huh? so, all right. Well, that makes let, me feel better that I didn't just miss something that everybody else is like, "Oh, this is fantastic." I actually feel a little bit better now because I thought for a moment maybe I'm just because I'm, no. I'm always willing to try different things that I you know that I haven't watched before or whatever. Um, but I, I really just felt like I missed the boat. But it sounds like even from an insider's perspective, no. it wasn't quite I mean, what our, it was expected. If you, co- if you compare this to like Army of the Dead, which we loved, this was mm-hmm. not even close. Not even in the same category to me. For okay. me. Okay. Okay. Um, so. yeah. Well, let's move on then to two th- movies. Um, well, technically three movies that we really, I think, I think enjoyed. I'm hoping we enjoyed. Was the I first did. one being um, Milkshake, right? Yeah, Gunpowder Milkshake. Gunpowder Milkshake. So, Amy, do you want to uh, kind of just tell us a little bit about the movie, and then we'll we'll jump into what our thoughts were? Yeah, so Gunpowder Milkshake is this woman who is clearly an assassin, and she is employed by a company called The Firm, and she goes and kind of takes care of the business that they need them need her to take care of. And she goes out to this one mission, and kills a whole bunch of people and 
accidentally kills the son of someone um, who is a rival who she's apparently not supposed to kill. And it's, it's really wrong place, wrong time. But the firm then kind of just gives up on her and says, well, you know what, you're on your own because they need to make sure that they don't then have bad relations with this other company. And so um, I, I, I don't feel like he's her mentor. I guess her handler um, tells her, look, you, you, you kind of messed up here and we're kind of letting you go. You're on your own. And then, of course, she has to figure out how she's going to make things right. She's trying to make things right, but at the same time, winds up getting involved with this, winds up killing this man who the the bad people have taken his daughter. And so now she not only needs to make things right with what happened with the firm, but she also needs to rescue this girl. Um, and of course, there's a series of mishaps with that as well. And she does, she's able to do so, but she's got this support system behind her, which I found incredibly creative. Um, and it, it's, it's very much a girl power movie. It's very much um, kind of a relationship movie, right? For somebody who doesn't build relationships, um, watching her build a relationship, which it was really interesting and kind of become a mother when she didn't have a mother. I don't know. I love this. I thought it was great. And I thought it was a really interesting story to follow this character who like right from the beginning, my first note that I wrote was, oh, so she doesn't feel she, she doesn't feel pain and she doesn't smile. That was the first thing that I wrote down because she got hurt on a mission. She's sewing herself up. She's not even sort of flinching at it. And then I think somebody makes a joke or something and she doesn't even smile. And I'm like, ooh, all right. So what's up with this girl? So she's someone who has a lot of issues, but, you know, evolves throughout the film. So that's yeah. that's kind of the background. I love this movie too. And uh, yeah. don't, don't yell at me, Diego. I haven't seen John Wick yet. And, oh, <laughs> man. Amy, we need a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> and like that, he's fired. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to go back now and watch John Wick for this reason, because I know like when we were commenting back and forth via text, you brought that up a lot. For me, I kept going to Tarantino because... There, Tarantino in his Kill Bill days, he always had a love for spaghetti westerns and kung fu, and he merged those into Kill Bill. And I felt like this was very much the same. That drawn out music, the the long glances, the only thing, thankfully, that this didn't have that would have made it more Tarantino-esque is way, way, way too much dialogue. It had the sappy, long, extended glances, but not too much dialogue. Uh, and... I, I was here for it. The action scenes were amazing. Amy, the right. the, the theme of maternal love that you mentioned, like for me, mm -hmm. like you had so many different levels of this. So, so you had all the crazy action and tons of blood and violence, but you also just had this very emotional, you know, she loves her, they love her, you know, like all the different characters protecting each other for different sentimental reasons. And even when, uh, you know, spoiler, when one of the librarians buys the farm, the last words out of her mouth were, it's nice to have a child in the library again. And right? then she's gone, you know, like it was, it was sentimental. And then I don't want to jump over the action scenes because we've got to talk about them. The, the numb arm, tape a knife to oh my, my hands. <laughs> Epic. <laughs> it was, it was, it was great. And I don't All love, physics. love, love. Yeah. I don't love, love, love action movies. 
I loved the action in this movie. I thought it was so well choreographed and so well done. Um, and I, I can talk a little more when we get kind of to the end about uh, one of the things that I loved the best that they did with the battle scenes. But I also loved the star power in this movie. And that's one oh. of the things that I had mentioned when I said I wanted to watch it, right? You've got, you, well, I mean, first of all, you've got Amy Gillen, uh, Karen Gillen, sorry, she played Amy Pond in Doctor Who. Um, but you have Karen Gillen, who's from Doctor Who. She's from- Nebula. Um, yeah. Right, right. She's from- um, uh, Guardians. Right. Thank you, Guardians of the Galaxy. She's from the the new Jumanji movies, right? Um, she's fantastic. I'll watch her in anything. But then you have Lena Headley, who's her mother, um, uh, I who I Lena guess Headley. has mm -hmm. to always be a terrible mother, I guess, in whatever she's in um, from <laughs> Game of Thrones. So she's in this. But then you also have, as the librarians, right, you have, like, Angela Bassett. And you have um, Carla Gugino, right? Carla Gugino, who I love. I'll watch her in anything. And she's mm -hmm. and 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 this idea that there these there's a li there's a library, right? So she she gets all messed up, and then she has to turn in her weapons because she's killed all these people. She killed this wrong guy. And when she's talking to her handler, he's like, you got to get rid of the guns. Like, you can't have anything that ties you to these weapons. And she goes to a library. And I'm like, why is she going to a library? But at the same time, I'm like, yay, she's going to a library because I love libraries. Um, and then <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait, this is a gun library. Like, they're going through and they're picking out different books. And every book on the shelf, when you open it up, it has some type of weapon inside. So it's not really a library at all. Um and I thought, I, I loved that. I thought that was such a great idea. And these librarians obviously knew her when she was a child and they were so happy that she was back and wanted to look out for her. But I just, I thought the world building in this was really good too. Like it's clearly a, an entire world that is, or at least town that's run by organized crime and nobody blinks an eye. They go to the diner and the rule at the diner is you can't bring your weapons in. Like your continental. Yeah. Like the continental, like in John Wick. <laughs> Amy, Amy you like, saw John Wick, right? I did. You made me watch it. <laughs> you don't, do, do you think it was similar to John Wick or? I can absolutely see the, the comparison. Absolutely. I can see that. Definitely. Definitely. You're not off base with that at all. Um, but I just thought it was interesting. So I was like, so this whole world is just this big cover for dangerous organized crime, which then made me feel like, because it had that darkness to it, right? I, I kind of felt like, and Diego, you're probably going to disagree with this one, but I felt like it was like Gotham, right? Like, I, I feel like Gotham, everybody just that... accepts that there's these villains and there's these awful people and nobody really bats an eye at it. Like, mm -hmm. this is just where we live, you know? Yeah, and, and I liked the 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 environment that they created where it was kind of like it was like today modern but it also had like that retro like diner retro like even the hospital nurses yeah just retro feel to it that was i guess tied to that organized crime area of the town like if you saw this retro area you knew you were in the wrong place and you need to get out right right so i like right. that i like yeah. i I like the scenery that this and like the library part and the books and each book. The bowling like, alley. Different, 
the bowl and that. Yes. And, and you nailed it. The action sequences in this movie with uh, Karen Gillan were exceptional. And she's just so good at fighting. <laughs> I mean, there's no other, like, right. and the choreograph and all that stuff. Like, it's just really well done. And I really enjoy it. And I love, love, love John Wick. It's one of my favorite action movies. And this was, this was really good. This was really good. Even though it had very, a lot of similarities, I still enjoyed mm-hmm. it because this, the story was good. The characters, like you said, were awesome. Like, if they make a second one, I'm definitely, definitely in to watch a, a sequel. Like, yeah. it was Absolutely. very good. Very good. And I Everything. Also, I, I also loved the humor in it because it wasn't yes. straight up serious. Like, like, for example, because there's a child there, they're very careful of their language. So they're saying fudge you, which is Mother hysterical <laughs> as right, as they're holding these enormous weapons and literally killing everyone. I mean, there's nothing child friendly about this, but they're so careful of their language. You know, like I thought those things were funny. Um, from again, from being a book lover perspective and a library lover. Oh, when they went into the children's rooms, um, that library just is ma- like, I wish it was a real library oh, without guns. Sure. It was magical. Um, but going back to the fighting, the last fight scene, the, the, the not the very last fight scene, but the last fight scene in the library, mm. I thought was one of the best well done things I've ever seen because they're all, it starts out and it's just Lena Headley and uh, Karen Gillan. And they come out from behind the circulation desk and they're fighting everybody. But then the librarians come in and they're fighting as well. And so they're all in this big mass fight, but then they all kind of split up throughout the library. And then it's yeah. these one-on-one battles. And, and you get that different was styles. so well said. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God! It was so good. And, it was and it was so all, good. and the way they they like paced it together the, those scenes like going from one to one to one to the other to the other, like just was so smooth. And it was right. Like I said, it was everything was well. I don't think there was anything in this movie that I didn't enjoy. Well, was, right. Everything was really good. Uh, just to comment on that library battle, uh, yeah, I love a movie where if you think about that movie and close your eyes, you can see one or two scenes clear as day, the, like from the moment you first saw it, that really yeah. stays with you. Lena Headey, who, uh, you know, bless her heart, I hope she can shed her Cersei skin and find lots and lots of roles down the road. She was such a good Cersei. That's all I can think of now when I see her. And here right. she is again, like you said, playing another sort of distanced mother. Uh, mm-hmm. But so Karen Gillan's fighting at first by herself in the library, clearly a losing battle. And then that scene where Lena Headey comes jumping over the uh, reception desk, guns in the <laughs> air, and shoots everyone midair, and then sticks the damn landing. Right. I, I was like, Mom, happy Mother's Day. You're forgiven. <laughs> like, right, like, right. Like, exactly. So by I, the way, I didn't need to hate her anymore. I, from that moment on, I was like, I love this chick. Lena Headley might be Cersei to you, but she'll always be the queen of Sparta to me. She was so oh, amazing. Yes. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> she'll that's always right. be the queen of Sparta. Yeah, so, you're right. I, and Mark, um, um, Mark, thank you for correcting me because it, you're right, Mark. It's Hetty. It's not Headley. And I always oh. call her. I don't know why I was at an L in her name there, but um, so Honestly, thank you for saying it right. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> and I have an IMDb webpage open in front of me to see the cast list. And if I didn't, I'd be saying Headley too. So. Got it. Got You're it. You're not wrong about that. Um, You're not wrong about that. 
Yeah. Um, I also, though, oh, the fact that, that the librarian that we have to sacrifice there at the end is Carla oh. Gugino, that just made me so sad. I was like, oh, oh no, why her? Because she clearly had such a good soul. She was just, oh, I loved her. I loved her. Um, and of the three, she was the most maternal. You know, and, and yes, absolutely. When she's putting the headphones on the little girl and she's like, Shh, and then stands up and pulls out that whatever Gatling gun. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Um, right. But, uh, we haven't even mentioned uh, Paul Giamatti. He's in this. Oh too. my God. I know. Paul Giamatti yeah. is in it. And Michelle Yeoh. He plays his roles in any movie so well. So yeah. well. Like, he always plays, and his voice is just so unique in his roles mm. and the. It's just he does a really good job, so I, I like him in movies. I don't think there's any role that he's played that I don't like. Well, right, you know, it's in in a in a universe, uh, the Gunpowder Milkshake universe, where the men are all bumbling idiots and the women are <laughs> are the the ass kickers that hold it together. He is sort of the most nurturing male, and I think right. for that reason, he sort of he gets a pass. He gets to live, uh, um, you know, and and he helps her even when he thinks that she's going to come for him at the end. He's like, Oh, and by the way, go here. I have a package for you. And he reunites her with her mother. So, right. Uh, so he was a, I liked his layers. He was a good character. Yeah. And Michelle Yeoh, I love her in this role. Like I know her from crazy rich Asians. I know for her from last Christmas. Like I know her from these other movies watching her in this film and knowing that she's 59 years old, like, and good she is, yeah, right? right. She was doing such a great job, like totally kicking butt in this movie. Um, I thought, I thought that was a magic, was amazing. And and Angela Bassett is over sixty, right? So again, even that, like they just, uh, it was just so good. And I, I was a hundred percent in. And like you said, Diego, if there was a sequel, I would watch every second of you that. You want to be in the sequel, Amy. That. You want to be? I do. <laughs> I do. I want to be the new. I need to be the replacement librarian. I have so, to yeah. tell. I have to tell you on the Michelle Yeoh front. I can see you, Amy, in that library. <laughs> with, <laughs> I'm sorry that that threw me. I just saw you like with a Gatling gun at that desk. Okay. Um, uh, if Star Trek Discovery, Michelle Yeoh plays yeah. a character who uh, she's like the the noble Captain Kirk esque type who dies very early on, and then they discover a multiverse where all humans are like the nastiest Vulcan, most Vulcan-esque characters in the galaxy, killing everybody and hedonistic. And they bring the Michelle Yeoh multiverse counterpart from that universe into our universe. And so she walks around deadpan, sexually harassing people, threatening to kill everybody. Uh, And it's weird because because everyone thinks that she's the nice Captain Kirk-esque type, but but it's it's her evil alter. She's hysterical and she's amazing. And it's shades of that character that I saw in this library. And I love okay. it. I loved it. All so. right. Oh, so good. So I would say two thumbs up from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Two milkshake okay. straws, two milkshake straws straight up. Yeah. I, to be fair, I was seriously craving one after this too, but oh, all right. Forever. For real. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's talk about fear street. Uh, part two, so part three, part three, yeah, we we talked about part one in our last two weeks ago in our last Netflix focused uh, episode, and then in that time, part two, Fear Street nineteen seventy eight has come out, and part three, Fear Street sixteen sixty six has come out. So let's start 
with uh, with 1978, right? So whereas 1994 was about this uh, this girl and her brother and her friends finding out about this curse of this witch. There's the two towns. There's Shadyside. There's Sunnyvale. Great things happen in Sunnyvale. Terrible things happen in Shadyside. And they believe that they've all been cursed by this witch, Sarah Fear. Um, pretty much all the friends die in the 1994 uh, movie. The only people left standing are the original main character, Dina, and her brother, Josh, and then Dina's girlfriend, Sam, who is still alive, but she is, um, I can't think of the correct word, so I'm just going to say infested with uh, the witch or some kind of negative evil spirit. And she needs to figure out how to get rid of it. And she, because her brother knows the history of this witch and the town and these killers that pop up every few years, he says, we've got to reach out to this C. Berman because she was involved when this happened in 1978 and she's still alive. And so they contact her. And then 1978 is then her story. When she was at summer camp in 1978, and somebody became infest, possessed, there's the word, not infested, um, possessed with the witch at camp and kills a whole bunch of people. And so 1978 was the story of that. I, I really loved it. I love a good 70s, 80s camp horror can we just thing. Talk, can we just talk about that in the 70s? It was like the Wild Wild West when it came to childcare. Like, it was, oh like, my gosh. Like, so true. I mean, it really Survive. was. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Come back alive was pretty much right. it felt like. Every time I feel like I watch a movie that's like takes place in the 70s, it's always like that. And, you know, I wasn't even born. Amy, I, I mean, you were, you were born in the, what, when were you born? 1960s? I was at 1960s, oh. 72. <laughs> and I went to camp in the 70s, though. And was it the Wild Wild it, West? It, I mean, I was a younger kid in the 70s, but yeah, I mean, it definitely was. The adults were not much of a presence. They presence. They had teenagers who were the counselors who kind of ran everything. And it was that way in the 80s, too. Like, it just yeah, it there felt were like that because there, it felt that way because in, in 1978, you the only adult I'm pretty sure we see is Nurse Lane. Well, and the cop who, who's a moron. Right. Yeah. And then right. she, and she, she ends up bugging out and you know, having a little mental breakdown or whatever and tries to uh, kill Thomas. Thomas, right? Yeah. Right. And she does Right. It. Well, it, but it's interesting because that's, again, that's, that's why 70s and 80s camps make such a great setting for horror films because there aren't any adults around to be smart. And, you know, people say, um, you know, that's why Gen Xers are so tough because we kind of had to take care of ourselves because nobody else was doing it. Um, yeah, suck it, Diego. <laughs> yeah. uh, but even I feel like Amy's a bad example of that, but whatever. Well, I digress. Um, that's for sure. But 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 even even with all of that, I do feel like the things that were happening to Ziggy at camp were a little extreme. I, I believe that. And again, again, you know, one of the counselors we find out is in league with the devil. But other than that, I feel like somebody would have been like, you can't hang a girl from a tree by her wrists. Like at some point, somebody would have would have said something. So the movie starts out with um, tying up 
you know, they, they tie Sam to a radiator in C. Berman's house. And I'm like, stop it. She is literally possessed by the devil. And you're going to tie her with a rope to a radiator in an old crappy house. Like, that's not going to work. Amazingly, it did. But I liked the fact that Netflix really likes to reuse their... Um, their actors. actors and actresses yeah because we talked about how you know um sam was heather nell from panic and then when we get to camp sheila was the girl from cruel summer um which was i the only one who watched cruel summer did we all watch that i haven't seen it okay so cruel summer was oh so good but sheila was the girl from that um max from Stranger Things is the girl who played Ziggy. So again, it was nice to see some familiar faces, but um, I just like my notes for this one, I just kept writing things down and my notes were like, ooh, Nurse Lane is Ruby Lane's mom. Oh, stop, Nurse Lane tried to kill Tommy. Like I'm writing things like that because I I felt like things just kind of kept coming at me and they were really, they were really good and surprising, even though you already kind of knew how it was all like, I didn't know how the witch story was going to turn out, but you know, the people are going to die. you like, you know, that's going to happen. You don't know who it's going to be. So it was just, everything had me like, Ooh, ah, woo, that kind of stuff as I watched. And I thought it was great. I, I would thought love it was to really see, great. I would love to see your notebook and how you spelled those sounds, but, um, <laughs> So for me, what I loved about 1978 uh, is it, for starters, it really, it really expanded the story and it expanded the whole universe that we were getting to know at the beginning of, or in 1994, I should say. Right. Uh, And I commented in our last Netflix podcast about how so many times I hate a horror movie where you don't know why things are happening. There's a big bad, you got to kill it. Did you kill it at the end? But you don't know why. And uh, this gave me all of that meat and potatoes that I wanted so badly. Um, right. It gave a, it gave you characters. Again, sort of like the Scream trilogy, it gave you uh, characters that you wanted, that you got to know better. And they weren't just the archetype. Uh, you know, um, uh, um, Cindy wasn't just the good girl. She had a past and she was trying to change and hide her old identity. You know, and like that sort of like the druggy girl had a real heart and then they right. cut it up. They hacked it out of her at the end. But, um, the, uh, <laughs> but, um, I like that. I like the multi-layered approach to the characters, the gore in this, like whenever you watch those old movies, here comes the knife. And then it's a cutaway scene to someone screaming and someone running in this one. You got to see that ax just go whack right into somebody, which oh, yeah. being a horror nerd for me, I, it sounds gross, but I loved it. I thought that was so cool. And I have not seen that in a lot of movies. They were not scared to keep a camera right on a character when they were buying mm-hmm. the farm. No, absolutely. Um, and then I liked the literal multi-layer effect of the sort of cat and mouse game happening with one sister above ground and one sister below. And they yes. were both they were both having entirely different horror movie experiences that came together at the end. So I thought that was right. Cool. I did too. I did too. And it's interesting. Um, so last time when we talked about it, I was like, oh, you know, I bet that Sarah Fear really isn't a witch, right? Because I'm like, mm-hmm. nobody's really a witch. It turns out they're all just people who weren't fitting into societal norms, blah, 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 blah. But then in 1978, as they expand the story of Sarah Fear, they say, no, what happens is because they find Nurse Lane has this book, right? Um, and they say, no, Sarah Fear cut off her own hand to make a deal with the devil. 
right? According to Nurse Lane's book. And I'm like, right. oh man, shoot, I was wrong. She really was a witch. Um, and I, I thought that was interesting. And my husband actually, as we're watching, he's like, okay, so she cut off her hand. So the curse is gonna last until her hand and her body are together. And I'm like, no, nah, it can't be that simple. But sure enough, that's what it seemed to be at the end of this. Um, but it, it's interesting because, you know, Nurse Lane, uh, has this book and her she she is the mother of Ruby Lane who's the sing song girl I think Mark is what you called her last week mm -hmm. um, the the singing fifties serial killer girl and she really just wants to know like how this happened you know my daughter wouldn't do this but she wound up killing people and why is this going to happen and so she's been investigating and then we find out that in this book that Nurse Lane has is a map of the camp and they go to the witch's house because of course the camp is built in the land where the witch's house was. And I, I just, I, I loved this fearlessness that they had, right? That, well, not, I mean, Cindy didn't have it, but but she went along with it, but that, that Alice had, right? And Alice's boyfriend had to go follow this map. Let's go find the witch's house. Fearlessness and stupidity, but still. Mm. Um, and I, I thought it was, so cool when they actually finally find the house and they go down in the basement. But then again, they find this big beating heart thing in the cave, right? Whatever that big mound of <laughs> beating gelatinous mass is in the floor. And Alice reaches out and touches it. And I'm like, no, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Um, but she touches it. So again, is she called to us? Is she just being an idiot? I did. There was just so much. And Mark, I, I think you'd agree the soundtrack in this one was oh. pretty insane as well. Like, so good. come on. I heard so the good. song that they play over the loudspeaker. I forget what the song was. And someone was Carry playing Carry on it my here. wayward son? Yeah, and someone was playing it's one it one of my here. favorites. I, I walked onto the beach and someone started playing it on their phone. I was like, what's going on here? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? I'm, about, I'm out. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I just, I don't know. There's just, there's very little in this that I had any kind of issue with. The only thing was, as I'm watching, so Tommy, Tommy is the next name that's on the wall, right? Last week we talked about how the witch writes name or the witch writes names in the stone on the wall. And those are the people who become the serial killers. And Tommy's name is on the wall. And Tommy is Cindy's boyfriend. And clearly something happens. The, the nurse tries to kill Tommy. And she says, one way or the other, you're going to die tonight. So I'm going to kill you now because she knows that bad things are going to happen. She doesn't kill him. She gets taken away. But Tommy is clearly something's going on, right? Just watching Tommy devolve and become kind of more zombie-like as he goes and then turn into the thing. And all I kept thinking is, please don't kill the kids. Please just kill counselors. Please don't make me watch him kill children. And sure enough, like they took us there. He killed campers. He killed children. And I thought that was really, really good too. Nobody um, is safe. Nobody's safe, right? Yeah. Even kids were not safe in this. One of the things that we had mentioned last week was um, when they dug up or when when Sam comes out of the car and like falls and touches the body or touches the hands. And I was like, OK, that's pretty shallowly buried. Right. <laughs> um, now we find out why, because yeah. we watch we watch them actually bury it. So I thought that was really interesting. And then, of course, I just keep waiting for Nick to come around. Nick is one of the counselors. Nick Good, again, another 
we've got the the characters that are older in 94 they're they're here in 78 there's all these family connections nick good who's the sheriff in 94 is one of the counselors and he really seems to like ziggy and he's trying to save her from these bad kids and he's not going to let anything happen to her he's being so protective and i just keep thinking all right they're showing him he's a good guy so when we flash back to 94 he's going to save the day right because he really cares about ziggy and he's going to save the day and he's going to be so sad um because of course throughout the whole thing we're still thinking that cindy berman is the c berman that we're talking to in 94 until we find out that cindy and ziggy both die at the hands of the serial killers and the, the paranormal serial killers but then nick actually brings ziggy back to life and or you know gives her cpr and ziggy's the one who survived so i loved that twist i thought that was really good too um just kind of kind of seeing how that goes the only issue i had was that they they built this mall around the tree the hanging tree right so they built this mall around the tree with the crazy red moss all around it. And that hand was buried so close to the surface. And I just find it so hard to believe when they go back to 1994 that in the building of the mall and the sectioning off of the tree and everything that must have been desert, disturbed, with as shallowly buried as that hand was, it's still there. Like there's no way that hand is still shallowly buried next to the tree in the mall. That was really the only thing that Kind of gave me pause as I well, watched. Amy, they were too busy ignoring the entire network of tunnels directly below the multi-level mall. <laughs> oh, there's that too, right? There's no basement to the mall. There's no storage. Nobody was like, oh my God, what's this weird cave with names carved on the wall and a pentagram carved into the stone and blood, right? Yeah, so I agree. There was a little bit of having to suspend my disbelief there, but <laughs> overall, so well, I So that sort of transitions- that sort of transitions us into 1666, Diego, unless you yeah. had anything about 78. No, no, no. I'm ready for 66 because I enjoyed 66. I always liked the uh, the reveals. Yeah. Well, and the, the when they, at the end of uh, 78, when um, she put the hand on top of the rest of the body and then boom, she is in Sarah Fear's body. And that I was like, that was brilliant. That was one of those moments where I jumped off the couch and in my notes was like, uh, right. because... <laughs> I, I just thought, what a clever way to get us now. I didn't want to have another story that with a narrator that took me back to 1666. They, right. So I thought that was really creative. I think in 1666, part three, we can call it, I, the suspension of disbelief for me really pushed the needle all the way to the right. I really, really had to forgive a lot of dumb stuff, like the hand in the, in the planter and the mall on the tunnels. Um and just uh, the the bad bad accents in the flashback. Right. I don't know. I felt like they told each cast member, "Hey, pick a country, and make that pick your, your accent. best accent. Pick your and best accent. You don't need a vocal coach. Just give it your best. Here, watch this episode of Boondock Saints, and let's go. Um, right. But uh, I I thought this. I thought the, the flashback was well created, at least. Um, I hate the fact that all of Sarah Fear's struggles and her horrible reputation and, and the fact that she was scapegoated for all this stuff just mm -hmm. comes down to her liking a girl. Like that was right. That was my rough. husband. My husband actually said the same thing. He's like, so are you telling me 
this entire curse on the town is because <laughs> one of the teenagers in 1666 was gay. Like that, that was, I agree with you, Mark. Rob and I both were like, hmm, is that really the statement that you wanted to make here? Because that, we 100% mentioned that and, and we thought of that too. Um, I also really liked how 78 ended with that flashback. And I really liked the fact that, you know, it was it was basically a two hour movie and an hour of it was the flashback. I like that they didn't rush the story mm -hmm. to get us back to 94. Um, 94 after seeing 1666 almost felt extra, like an extra part. Like you almost forgot that there was something they had to go back to because they gave the 1666 time frame sufficient time to really build the story. And again, I, I did feel a little vindicated. I was like, aha, I was right. She was not a witch, you know? Mm -hmm. she, she was somebody who didn't conform to societal norms. I also was a little, not disappointed, but you remember when we talked about 94, I had said, I loved how irreverent 94 was, right? Like it wasn't a parody, but there were humorous parts to it, right? Mm -hmm. And 78, same thing, right? It was, it was a 80s, 70s camp slasher movie, which has these little bits of humor in it. 1666 was a straight up horror film. Like there was nothing funny that happened there. It was much, much darker than the other even two, the which makes total, even visually, right? But that makes total sense because they're setting up. And honestly, I always think about like, oh, I would have loved to have gone and lived during this time. I would have loved to have gone and lived during that time. Like as a historian, as a history teacher, there are so many different time periods that I wish I could go and visit for like a week. Um, this is not one of those time periods. I have never been drawn to puritanical, you know, America. No. Um, I have never wanted to go live there because I, I, it's be just a witch, such Amy. a. <laughs> oh, I would totally be a witch. Oh my God, I wouldn't have survived. They would have hung me the first day. Yeah, but and we know like, how it would turn out for me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. right? So it's just, it's, there's, there's nothing attractive or appealing about this time. And it's always been such a fascinating time for me. Again, because these are people who left England for freedom. And they're probably yeah. one of the least free societies mm -hmm. um, or communities that we had built here. So the darkness of it made a lot of sense, right? The darkness Even, of it makes a lot of sense. And we talked about like how we love the music in 94. We love the music in 78. And then you get to 66 and there's no like music. No, no, It's just right? all dark, like dark music, no lyrics. Just music, just instruments, dark yeah. instruments. So Which that, really kinda... goes to to speak to what how powerful soundtracks are, like mm -hmm. in the selection of yes. music in things. I thought that was great. I love I... that in here they're really talking to us about Union, right? The original town. It wasn't Shady Side and Sunnyville. It was Union, and they and that they made. And again, that's how they did. They called every. I, I'm assuming based on what we read um, as historians, but. They called people by their full names. And in doing so, we were like, oh, they just called somebody so-and-so Berman. Oh, they just, okay, there's the Solomon Good. Oh, there's this one. And we realized that all of these characters are descendants of the original settlers, right? Their families have been there forever. Um, and so I thought that was really good. The only confusing piece to me was how the devil winds up calling, you know, kind of calling to Sarah, right? Because 
the witch, um, Widow Mary, who of course is played by Nurse Lane, um, is you know saying they they go to get these berries, which I'm assuming are like you know old time drugs because where can I find these berries? (laughs) Yeah, right. They're all like go get the berries, and they take them, and they're having like these psychedelic trips. But um, they go to the witch's hut to to find these berries, and while they're there, Sarah goes snooping around. And she finds the witch's book and she opens it and she sees this page for a transference spell. And she's reading the different names of the devil from the book. And it was unclear to me if that's kind of what got her in it. Like what? Because because then the widow was like, you've got his attention. He sees you now. And I'm, was it just the fact that she opened the book? Was it the fact that she was doing something that society didn't like? I couldn't really figure out like what it was that made her the original target um, and why the devil was kind of calling to her. But and it, because then the whole town's in danger, right? Um, I just, I don't know. I just thought it was so good. I, I really loved it. And of course we find out as we're watching that who really makes a deal with the devil? Oh, it's not Sarah Fear, it's Solomon Good. So that Sheriff Good, is not good and i and i'm watching and i i in my notes i wrote should have known it was a good and then i said now is nick gonna save the day in the future or is he still in league with the devil because then i was thinking maybe nick doesn't know right because when we're back in 1666 we don't know how it all plays out so i'm thinking maybe maybe the sheriff doesn't know that his family is the one who started this curse and he's going to be the one to break the curse so on and so forth but then there was also that that hint of maybe he's still in league with the devil well, i don't really wasn't know wasn't it um mark wasn't it you who said after 94 you looked at the credits or the the intro and you saw like clues about the good family mm-hmm. yeah um now it, it, it the clues were f- from reading the newspaper clippings that they showed during the credits and it talked about Solomon Good vows to uh, support the families of the victims. Like, so he looks like a hero, but it also sort of shows that his deal with the devil is working. He's now prosperous, whereas at the beginning of 1666, his uh, crops were not, his crops were failing, but he made the deal with the devil and he became successful and then says, I'm going to help take care of all the families who, who didn't survive. Or, or, or I'm sorry, who lost somebody. Got it. Got it. Okay. I also really liked the, the the connections, the explaining of things, right? Like here mm-hmm. we see we see them up against this rock. Um, we see I, I can't think of the, well Sarah and Hannah, Hannah Miller, mm-hmm. who is present day Sam, and they're they're kissing up against this rock, and one of them makes for the other this red headband. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, ooh that's that moss, that's that red moss that's going to be growing everywhere. And sure enough, you know, when Sarah is eventually killed, right, because we find out that Sarah finds out that Solomon is the devil. And she, man, I have never seen somebody fight for their life the way that she fought for her life. Like he Mm -hmm. chops her hand, her wrist, and her hand is like falling. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Through the right to the bone. Sharp knife. (laughs) Her hand's like falling off, but not all the way off. And she still keeps going. And he's like, you know, holding her, trying to kill her. And he's got one hand. And she literally rips herself away from her hand to get away, like rips her own hand off. Um, 
And then she comes out and she's trying to tell people the truth, but they see her. Solomon's like, I got the witch. I got the witch. And of course they hang Sarah here. But before they do, she's like, because he's the one who's going to put the rope around her neck. She's like, I'm cursing you. I see you. I will always be with you. So on and so forth. Um, it was, ju- I just, well, I loved it. And in that, it. in that fight scene, yeah, again, with the sharp knife, that made me laugh. But uh, now you under now you know why that hand was not really well buried. How uh, uh, is right. it, was, her, was her name Emily in seventy eight? How how the the her friend uh, yes. just found it sitting there under some moss. I was like, wait, what? But now right. that makes sense. Um, I will tell you, we were watching that scene where they're kissing on the rock, and I looked at Rob, and I'm like, just FYI, my love language is not stick moss in my hair. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. No, thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It was, but again, I mean, I guess in Puritan times, that's the only gift you have to give some moss. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I thought it was so well done. And then after she's hung, they bring us back to 94 and Dina kind of wakes up and she's like, oh, I know it all. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Good is evil. Good Good is is evil. evil. And I feel like you could do a whole podcast just talking about 1666, but but you don't have to because they bring you back to 94. And then they have this, and that's, I kind of stopped taking notes after 66 because it just, I, I don't know. I just felt like it so captured my attention. And I yeah, didn't take as many notes. The were, were pretty intense. So good. Because you, so you, you have the battle scene at the mall. You know, they go to the hanging right. tree. They kind of lure all the monsters, all the killers to the mall separate them capture them in the store then they, they lure good in and they pour like the blood on him so that all the monsters yeah. start attacking him but he captures sam yeah let's go sam now the now or Cindy, uh, ziggy uh, ziggy ziggy yeah, he captures yeah, ziggy. Ziggy, ziggy right and then ziggy has the blood on her dina has so it goes into they go back into the caves and that it, right. like you just talked about in 66 how Sarah Fear fought for her life in the caves, and you almost have like almost like an identical battle there, right? With Good and Dina now, and I thought that yeah. was pretty cool how they kind of tied those two things together, like going back to the caves to finish it. So this for me, this this I may verge off just a little bit because this was my least favorite part of the whole trilogy. I. I love this entire trilogy. I want part four to come out next week. Like I want this to be my new life. I love it. But uh, I struggled with some stuff in the mall. Um, the The fact that they had to go get these glow sticks and write all over the mall and that supposedly this all happened in a matter of minutes because the killers are all smelling uh, um, the main character. I forgot her name again. Her, they're, they're smelling the blood of the main character. They're coming for her. Right. But hey, Let's grab glowy pens and write psychos this way with a big arrow. Like that kind of right, stuff. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had a hard time. Um, what I loved, the little things, the fact that they showed the, the gate to B. Dalton sticking, which was one of the first things that happened in the original, mm. Fear, the, the part one of Fear Street, that main character who was killed, Heather, she was trying to close the, the, the gate as she was walking in to close out the store and it was sticking. That little moment, like the, the consistency there. The fact that, uh, help me, what's the main character's name? I'm blanking all Sam, of Sam. Sam, Sam, thank you. The fact that Sam had a bunch of Robert Lawrence, a.k.a. R.L. Stein books that she taped to herself to right. protect herself from the knife wound. I loved that. And then we got to get back to our soundtrack in 94, Come mm-hmm. Out and Play by The Offspring. Right. 
that right. was that was worth the ridiculous glow stick montage for me because I love right. that song. But anyway, I I loved all the killers coming together at once. I love that sort of like the battle royale thing that you know y'all described. But it was just a, a little bit of shtick I had to get over to watch it. Right, right. And I I loved how smart they were. They did. Let's fill up these Nerf guns with the gun and let's. You know, when the plan isn't working the way they, for first they're like, we're going to carry him, right? So they dump the blood on him, but then the, there's there's more killers, and then they're trying to figure out what to do. I love that they came up with, wait a minute, if we spray the killers with the blood, they'll kill each other. Like, I love that it was smart fighting, too. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they had a really good plan. I don't feel like I would be able to come up with that. I would just be like in run and hide mode and they're like, oh, well, let's fill these guns with blood and then we'll get it with him, the blood, and then they'll kill him. And, you know, then how do we get rid of the killers? Oh, let's cover them with the blood. I love that. And I loved the addition of the um, the security guard as somebody else who was, or the, the, the custodian who was someone else who was going to help fight in the mall. I like the addition again, at this point, we kind of don't need any more characters, but you do. You need somebody who knows them all and who can help you figure out, you know, how to come up with this plan. So I thought that was great, too, because they understood that these kids wouldn't have been able to have that knowledge of them all and the doors and so forth without him. And he so gave some good one-liners, too. Like, we're going to go oh. kill Sheriff Good. Let me get my coat. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I love that, right? Josh just pulls up and he's like, hey, and he's like, hey, and he's like, um, you want to help us kill the sheriff? Like, come on. But it was funny and it was good. I don't know. It was great. It was great. So, again, sure enough, you know, they're they're able to to kill everybody. Dina lures Sheriff Good down into uh, the cave where the um, where the the witch is, and 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 they're and they're talking about it, right? He's he's explained, yeah, starting with Solomon, every generation we pass off. We teach the next son like how to do this, which is interesting because even then, even then I kind of was having a little bit of hope for him. First, when Sheriff Good walks into the mall and he sees Ziggy, his, he visibly softens and he's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, he's, you can tell he's got this soft spot for her. And I was like, ooh, maybe, maybe he can be redeemed. And then when they're down in the cave and talking about how everybody, all of them, who are goods, you know, find out about this and they keep that deal with the devil and they just have to kill a person, you know, just have to give up a soul every couple of years. No big deal. Right. But then they flash to him talking to Ziggy in 78. And he says, you know, what if I don't want to be who they want me to be? Right. What if I don't want to carry out this mantle that my family has put on me? And I was like, Oh, Okay, here we go. Now he's so they kept giving me hope about the sheriff. I kept thinking this is the minute. This is the moment where he's going to break this deal with the devil and he's going to end the curse. Like, won't that be great? But no, he never Amy, does. Good <laughs> is evil. Apparently good <laughs> is evil because Dina winds up having to stab him through the eye. Um so I just and then, and then once that's done, you know, watching everything kind of go away, like the pentagram and the ground you, fixes itself and the names on the walls erase and all of those things kind of go away. And then you start and, seeing you trouble know. in uh, Sunnyvale. I right. love that they gave yes. you that. That was payoff yes. right there. It yeah. really was, right? Because nothing bad happens in Sunnyvale and then somebody's pulling out of their driveway and sure enough, 
There it is. Oh, and I liked the fact that as, as Dina and Sam came out of the tunnel, they found this exit to the tunnel and they're like, what is this? And it literally led right into Sheriff Good's basement. So the Good family had access to that tunnel from their house. They didn't, because that was something I was thinking about today. I always have to go to the mall and open up that grate and jump down in it to get to their little secret lair. But no, the tunnel leads right to their house and in Sunnyvale. And the door to it even looked like the door that Solomon Good had in 1666. That's yes. Little t- now, here's something, though, Amy, that I was wondering. When they came out of that house, would a sheriff logically have had a house like that? Or could that be the house of the politician brother? Who, by the way, is the older brother who, why wouldn't he be the one involved in the satanic rituals? So I feel like I'm ready for a sequel. <laughs> well, and, and to be fair, they set you up for a sequel, right? Because the very, so as the credits start to roll, they're interspersing credits with scenes from Shadyside, right? Like credits, and then there's the tree in the mall. And then credits, and then there's the grate. And then credits, and then there's part of the cave. And then credits, and then there's the campfire, or the the fire in the pit. And then credits, and then there's the book, which, come on, stop it. They have police tape all mm-hmm. over the place in the cave and they have those little evidence markers all over the cave but the book is still on the floor of the cave that's not somehow in police custody but of course not because then the last thing that they show is just a pair of hands grabbing the book so it looks like they did set you up for a possible sequel well, and um, I go, when, when they were showing that credit sequence, then they show the book sitting there. I go, that is some shoddy police work. And then Rob goes, well, yeah. the, sheriff, the sheriff's dead. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. I don't feel like he was training people very well either. But um, so, yeah, I, I love this. And and Mark, I know you, you've said several times that you're hoping that this is a formula that they follow again. And I do, too. I, I don't know how they would do it. And not just have it be a repeat of this. Like, I loved the idea of going back further yeah. in time every movie. I thought that was great. Um, and just having this storyline that continues through centuries. I thought that was great. I don't know how you do it with other types of stories. But I loved the three movie thing. I thought it was, I thought it was so creative. And it was, it was layered with enough subtext and Easter eggs and what have you that now you can go back and watch all three movies again, which, you know, from a Netflix, from a ratings standpoint, that's gold for Netflix. But uh, right. all these little moments, like I remember um, share, like noti- noticing in the first episode in 94 that Nick had a limp and going, that's such right. a weird character choice why is he doing that but then 78 you see him get whacked with the axe in his leg and when nurse lane shows up in 78 i'm like that's the crazy neighbor you know um, right so there i want to go back i'm catching a few things i want to go back and find all the stuff that i missed and be able to watch it with a an, like a, a more open heart and mind now that i know okay that's why she's buried in a six inch deep grave and you know all these things that made me kind of shut down watching the first few movies uh, from a a, a disbelief standpoint. So I'm excited about just how they did it. And I really do hope they find ways to, and honestly, Amy, if, even if they serve up new batches of horror movies with a similar format and that weekly Mm -hmm. release, I'm, I'm here for it. Like, I think that'd be fun. Right. Right. I agree. I agree. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was fantastic. Um, So I, I think this is one, all three of us, you know, 
we even texted about it, you know, offline. This is a, a two thumbs up from all of us, I think. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I thought that was great. Um, so, again, we said Netflix has so much coming up in, in here at the end of July. Um, so let's talk for a second about things that we have, things that we have on our radar coming up. Um, and I can go first. One of so a lot of things that are coming up are things that we've talked about previous seasons before, and now they, you know, the new ones, how to sell drugs online fast, which I think might have been Damon's, like, other than the winks, might have been one of his favorite things that we watched. That next season is coming up. Outer Banks season two is coming up. Uh, Control Z season two is coming in August. Um, that's going to be good. Diego, I thought you'd be interested. The movies that made us season two is coming and it looks like I saw that yeah. Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park is my favorite movie of all time. So I'm super excited about that. Um, this is not a Netflix original, but it's one of my favorite shows and I, I found it on Netflix and that's where I watch it in the latest season. Winona Earp, which by the way, if you like, like a weird, time bendy westerny weird supernatural kind of show winona earp is your show it's so good um so the newest season of that is coming sexy beasts looks so good and i don't love reality shows i i just couldn't keep watching um uh the one that you wanted me to watch diego uh Yes, I, I just couldn't keep with that one. But Sexy Beast is people who try to take physical appearance out of dating. So they all dress up in um, animal costumes, kind of a la uh, the Masked like. Singer kind of costumes. But it just looks really interesting. Um, I want to see The Last Letter from Your Lover. I want to see Resort to Love with the kids or with my youngest. I want to see Troll Hunters Rise of the Titans with my daughter. There's a gymnastics movie, Second Chance Rivals. I want to see the swarm looks good. And then um, also with my son, I want to see Centaur World, which is a, a cartoon that's coming. So there's a lot uh, that I want to be watching in the next couple weeks. Mark, any of those on your radar? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Troll Hunters Rise of the Titans. Uh, my kids love that franchise. So I'm excited that's coming out. Um, and then on a quick side note, uh, I just saw an article the other day that uh, Netflix in 2022 has announced that they're going to be streaming video games. What? So, yes. So I am saying goodbye to my family now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that too. Just a quick side okay. note. All right. So it looks like uh, we've got some stuff. Whoa, whoa. Diego, I can I, yeah, I can't share what I want to watch. Jeez, Amy, you thanks. can. You can. So sorry. <laughs> Uh, I know I've mentioned this multiple times, but it's finally coming out soon, and that's Masters of the Universe Revelation. That oh, looks yeah. super dope. Mm -hmm. We talked about Outer Banks. We talked about the movies that made us. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. How to Sell Drugs Online Fast. And I saw this one, Top Secrets UFO Projects Declassified. Oh, I saw I'm that. Over. Yeah. And then I can't I can't pass up a good John claude Van Damme movie, so The Last Mercenary comes out July 30th. So I'll, I'll wait, that, wait. Uh, is there a good Jean-Claude Van Damme movie? <laughs> uh, Bloodsport is fabulous. Okay, okay. Universal Soldier. They're all good. All right. Okay, that's <laughs> But yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. I mean, we, you mentioned some of the other shows that we, we've talked about in the past. So we have uh, a busy schedule ahead of us. Plus, 
you know, we hit pause on Netflix and we, you know, jump on Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Hulu, Apple TV, and uh, any other streaming services that we might want to catch something or a new show. So as always, everyone, definitely, you know, give us a shout on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Let us know what you're watching. Let us know if we missed anything. Let us know what you thought about some of the shows we talked about today or in the past. And if, you know, again, if you think we should be definitely watching something, let us know. Leave us a comment. Give us a download. Give us a like. And uh, anything else? Share, share, share. Yeah, share, share, share. Amy, Mark, anything else? No, that's it. Um, Except for Time Cop with Jean-Claude Van Damme's best movie. I love that movie. Another good one. So, yeah, you say all right. Oh, I stand, and, uh, I stand so, correct. Mark, you got homework. You got to watch John Wick. That's yes. be So uh, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll be checking in on you this yes, weekend sir. to make sure that you are on, on the ball with that one. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. And we will catch you in a little bit. Bye. Bye. Just a disclaimer here. No members of the Boomtron podcast are employed by Netflix, nor do they have any business ties with the Netflix Corporation. This podcast for entertainment purposes only and all Netflix news and information that is shared is simply what these three yahoos found online.